Welcome back to Three Point Firefighter. Today, my guest is Stephanie White. Now, she's a 19-year veteran of the fire service, and she has spent the past 17 years as a professional firefighter, paramedic in the Metropolitan Fire Department of Fairfax County, Virginia. Throughout her career, she's been actively involved in firefighter health and safety as a personal trainer, a cancer awareness educator, and a trained mental health peer. We have a lot of good conversations. You're going to love this one. As always, today's podcast is sponsored by Fire Facilities. Makers of reliable, all-American steel fire training structures built the way you train. Fire facilities, towers, burn rooms, and mobile units help you prepare to respond and survive. This is so short. I mean, you, you're fantastic for, for doing this for me in such short notice. So thank you so much, but yeah, that'd be great. And, uh, well, well, let's just start talking. What do you think about that? Take it away. All right. So, uh, I want to, there's so much to start with you. So the more, here's how you came into my universe. Okay. Um, I started seeing you more and more on social media, I guess, because the algorithm, once I picked up one and I was like, wow, this is amazing. Wow. This is amazing. And then it took a couple, a couple turns to realize that you're at Fairfax. Now, I, from my view, I love Fairfax. Um, been there, I taught there, uh, and I thought I always say that you can tell a lot about a culture by their training grounds. And you guys have a really nice uh, training area and seem to take it very seriously. So when I saw you in Fairfax, I'm like, oh man, Rob Blissetti, right? So Rob's a friend of mine, and um, so I got a hold of him, and he could not say enough good things about you. So I'm like, well, that's it. I've got to get a hold of her. And hopefully I'll see Rob here in a couple of days because we're going down to Florida uh, for vacation, me and my lovely bride. Um, but the more I dig into what you do for the fire service, uh, the more amazed I am. And uh, I know for me, I've done this for about 30 years and I've never worked at a department with more than one woman. Now I take that mm. back. Maybe Lexington had a few more. Um what, why do you think that the fire service, even today, uh, is struggling to get women in the fire service? I mean, you just dove right in with the hardest question possible. Boom. That's how we do it. Boom. Um, I think for a couple reasons. I think, and this is not a dig at men in any way, women, mm. you have to market cerebral to us. So guys, if you say, hey, this is going to be a physical challenge you guys are all in. With women, I think the fire service doesn't say, hey, this is a physical challenge and a freaking huge mental challenge. Mm -hmm. We just view fire as a ball of physicality. When, I mean, come on. No fire is ever just physical. You are mentally challenging yourself, logistically, tactically, all these different ways. Mm -hmm. So I do think a big part of it is marketing. You're not accurately targeting, targeting the way that women think. And that's probably the biggest thing. Because I don't think women are being held back by the fact that there aren't a ton of women. Because human beings in general, male, female, we all love a challenge. So I don't think that's it. I truly think a big part of it comes down to that. But then also, when women do get on the job, there aren't as many resources. Obviously, listen, women are newer to the fire service as a whole. So when resources were built, they were all designed for men as it should be, because there were only men back mm -hmm. then. So when your female friend does get on the job somewhere, who could then be recruitment for other females, 
they might be hesitant to do so because important important programs aren't there. You know, there might not be a pregnancy manual in place. And so going through pregnancy might be hard. Those kinds of things. I don't think it's a big sinister reason that more women aren't in the fire service. I just think no one has truly sat down and thought through the marketing side of it. I know I've never thought of it that way. We have, uh, we just recently started in this past year, a recruitment committee and um, we're trying to get a more diverse pool of everybody. And uh, we've had numerous talks about this and I've never even thought about that. Like the, how do you market specifically to a woman? Everything is so broad in what we're doing. Um, that that's really important. That's, that's going to be a neat thing to kind of bring to the table because it's it, honestly, we've never had that conversation. Um, we have uh, one female right now. We hired her a couple of years ago and she's a beast, but she was uh, college athletics. And so she's on the committee as well. And one of the things that she, she suggested is going to um, the local university and trying to get some of these athletes uh, to put in because they're already, you know, disciplined. They are, you know, they you know that they're going to follow rules. They wouldn't get to that level if they didn't. Um, but, you know, I could flip the script, though, and go when I go to a Calouette, Canada, I've been up there a couple of times. They have uh, it's a smaller department, but almost half of the people there are women. And they are, they're just, you know, it, when I came on the fire service, the, the thing was, well, you know, women, you know, they're just not as strong as us. And this is usually, I can remember the guy telling me this, by the way, and he was, he was five, six, maybe, and he couldn't lift 50 pounds probably. And he's, and he's making all these statements and I'm like, mm, yeah, we need, we need more like you, I guess, bro. I mean, <laughs> the fuck? Well, and looking through social media, you will see that Canada does have a lot more females in their fire service. And I wonder what their approach was or if boys and girls of the fire service age were all kind of raised with a certain way of thinking when it came to joining the military services and joining the fire service. I wonder if both genders were just raised with public civic service a serviced mindedness. I completely butchered that term, but just like you have in Germany and other countries, you're going to see equal genders in all. And it might just be that here in America, traditionally we, you know, we were raised with a split mentality. So I think we're a little mm -hmm. behind other nations in kind of bringing that thinking forward. Absolutely. I mean, older, really country, older countries are, They've been doing it for much longer than us. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Uh, Canada, I mean, everywhere I've gone up there, it, it's, it is such a different culture for, for a country so close. It, it's such a different culture. And to even have that conversation with them, they kind of see it as like, well, what are you talking about? Like, why is it a big deal? I mean, I, I, we don't see why it's a big deal. You're bringing this up. I'm like, well, I guess where I'm from, it's just you don't see a lot of that. But uh, uh, some of the best firefighters I've worked with have been have been females and I've, I have never thought about honest. And I gotta be honest. And this is, I'm really right. Myself. I've really thought about what it was like for them in the fire service ever. I never put myself in their shoes until I had to teach. I'm the training officer. So when we had our new recruits and, and uh, Maddie was one of them, 
that's the first time I really had to put myself in her shoes and make sure what I said and I did was across the board fair, you know, um, small thing, small thing here that really bugged me about myself is I'd always say you guys, it never, never occurred to me to say anything else. Uh, like when I say brothers, uh, Hey, you know, Hey brothers, you know, I never think about including sisters. So with her, that was kind of a crash course and I liked it. I mean, I, I hate that, you know, it takes something like that so late in the game for me, but it, it was, it was a sort of a game changer. And I've just, I mean, to be fair, I've never put myself in anybody's shoes in the fire service, but that's the first time I really had to do it. Now, fast forward to where I listened to your podcast with, um, oh shoot, it was uh, Carry On, I believe. We Carry On? Is that the name of it? Might have been. Oh, yeah. The Things We All Carry. Things We All Carry. That's it. That's it. Um, and you tell your story. And now I'm thinking, you know, what, what else have you done wrong? What, what are you doing wrong now? Because your story is so powerful. And um, it usually when I listen to podcasts, I don't get too caught up in them. I'm usually doing it at the gym or doing something, cleaning the house. And uh, I'll listen to them. But that one, it was, your story is, it affected me. It was emotional. I was like, I, I mean, I was really sad to hear what you had to go through. Is there, would you like to talk a little bit about your rookie years? We can dive into that. I mean, you're really just just hitting all the the easy stuff right up front, aren't you? Well, well, we're going to go right into uh, the Bible and politics here in a minute. So, so um, that that podcast we were talking about some of the challenges I faced my probie year. Well, not even my my probie year as much as it was my rookie year. I had a captain who blatantly let me know, "Hey, uh, I view it as my job to end your fire service career." And he tried his hardest, but I, what I hope that you and other people really took away from that episode was it was a big mental struggle dealing with a, an officer who I, I'm talking, um, just a small strand of hair would fall out and hit my collar and I got paperwork, you know, <sighs> got paperwork for, and I wasn't a probie at the time, but got paperwork for clearing the dishes of the guy in front of me and next to me, but not the entire table. It just was anything, anything you could do paperwork for, he did. But the true takeaway that I hope people got from that episode was what has stuck with me my entire career from that just miserable, miserable year that, that did almost make me quit was the way my shift mates they sat back for a little bit, all except one. And um, that one really, really stepped up and said, absolutely not, not in my house. And he got sent away. And then the next one stepped up and he got sent away. And just watching shift mate by shift mate stand up, even though they saw the guys in front of them getting punished. Um, but just saying, no, this is our house. We won't tolerate this. We don't agree with this. That is what had the lasting effect on my career. Not the harassment, not the discrimination. The guys who said, we will not allow this. And unfortunately, because they did not have rank, it didn't end well for them. But they still did the right thing, even though they saw that there was probably going to be a consequence to them and to their career. And there was, unfortunately, for a lot of those guys. And it ended when another shift finally said enough is enough. And they went to a deputy and said, Hey, these shenanigans are going on and I got emergency moved. 
but without delving into the the full story from that year, that's the takeaway I want people to face. I mean, to to think about is you have the power to do the right thing. Harassment happens every now and then, unfortunately. Some departments, way more than every now and then. But what's more powerful than being harassed is the way we circle the wagons around a human being, the way we protect somebody on our shift. You don't have to like them, but you do have to do the right thing. And that was what I wanted people to take away because that is not something we talk about. You know, you hear departments getting sued all the time. My department has been sued many times. And it, it's that negative stigma that sticks to things is just somebody did something wrong. Now somebody's suing, but you don't hear the stories of the people standing up because that's not something we teach, right? We teach don't harass. We don't teach stand up for somebody. Now, I, and what happened with those people after, after they got moved, how did their story end? Their stories did not end. They went to uh, one guy got moved back. Um, the other guy was better off being moved. Uh, the other people grieved their punishment by showing that it was all false and fake. So it, it ended up working out for the entire shift. And that that officer retired a couple, probably about a year or two after. I think they were silently escorted to the door, maybe. Now, but, he sounds kind of like a piece of shit. Would I be wrong in that assumption? Uh, that individual <laughs> was somebody who was just really loved or hated. There was no in between. Um, and mm. I know they did help out a lot of people's career. Something about me they just uh, just didn't like, and and a couple. Do you think it was didn't like. you personally, or you just as a female in the fire service? There was a pattern there of um, more outspoken females in the fire services coming under that individual's ire. It turns out I was not the first; I just was the loudest mm. with that story. Well, I could see the mental struggle you had to deal with there, with just being at work with this guy, but also when you saw your your people stand up for you and then get moved that had to add another layer of stress for you. I mean, it seemed like to me, but just by the story that you really didn't have a lot of uh, avenues or resources at the time to make this situation better. It seemed like you were just, you were just kind of stuck. How long did this whole time, how long a time was this? So that whole thing I think was about seven months. And the really cool thing that just completely restored my faith in, uh, in my department and humanity was I was moved to a firehouse where the rumor was the captain hated women. Mm-hmm. Um, so I was already, already worried about that. And my very first day I was underneath the engine with our engineer and he was helping me do a, a morning first day check. And my old captain showed up with my file and, and he wanted to talk to my battalion chief and my captain and my battalion chief and new captain said, Hey, uh, we want her in here. If you're going to be talking about her, and this guy just trashed me. And in front of this captain, uh, my battalion chief said, hey, don't ever come to this firehouse again. She is ours to take care of and train and and rate and all these things now. And don't show your face here again. And they, they did not go easy on me, but they were completely fair. And that year, just being treated fairly made all the difference in my career, both with rumor control, both with morale for me, um, my learning capabilities, obviously not being under the gun. 
And so having outside people once again say, hey, we don't tolerate this kind of behavior is what made me stick with the fire service was seeing, okay, you got, you got one bad egg, but 20 good eggs standing up for you. Maybe this is a brotherhood after all. It sounds like it. That I love that part of the story though, where he comes to, <laughs> to run you down to your new, I mean, he's done with you. He, he got what he wanted. You're not there with him. And he still had the balls to go and try to fuck with your career at another station that uh, he doesn't sound like a wonderful human being. I've been married twice. I can, I can pick them out. I can pick them out. I got no comment, but uh, <laughs> I, I got blessed with an absolutely amazing captain. He was hard on me, but that was just, that was the most, most growth of my fire service career was just having somebody I knew was going to hold me accountable to be a good firefighter, but that also was going to always have my back. It just was it was the perfect learning combination for a human being, knowing you're being taken care of and knowing there's going to be somebody who's always going to be pushing you to be the best firefighter. It's just, you're never going to find a combo like that. That's going to produce a bad firefighter. That's great. I love it. I mean, it's, it's all about the environment. It's all about the culture. Uh, I know some departments that have really bad culture and I was talking to uh, Jeremy Sanders and I asked him, I was, how do you change culture in a department? And he basically for lack of better words, you really can't, but you can change where you're at. And I think that's pretty powerful there. And I mean, just imagine if you didn't get, if after that seven months, the things didn't turn out the way they were, you may not be a firefighter. You may not have done all these wonderful things you're doing for the fire service right now. Uh, but you got, you know, you were blessed that you got to change that culture. You got to go to a different place and you got to be protected. And I mean, that's the way it ought to be. So I, that's, I love the story. I think it's great. And I encourage people to go listen to that podcast to listen to the full thing. Um, it's, it's a very open and honest podcast. Uh, and you did a great job on that. So uh, I won't bug you too much about the heavy stuff for a while. How's that? Well, the rest of the podcast, we'll go light. There, well, yeah, yeah. Cause we have tons of light, um, light subject matters in the fire service, right? Exactly. I, I just love your story. It's just one of those I listen to and I'm like, I, I just, I, it just, it impacted me. It really did. Um, so let's talk about some of your articles. So actually, you do a lot for fire engineering. You have a podcast called Five After Midnight. Uh, you write a lot of articles, a lot of commentaries online. Um, one of the things I do see you talk about a lot is is pregnancy on the job. Again, mm -hmm. I'm a guy. I've, I've never even considered it. I've never worked with a woman that got pregnant on the job ever. So to me, again to my fault. I never even considered it. And I know they just, they just passed the, uh, the fair, what is it? The fair something act. Yes. So in, what was it? End of July, the pregnant workers fairness act was passed. Oh. So what, tell me what it's like before that act and what is that act changed now? So what was it like having to deal with that being pregnant in the fire service? How, how are you treated? How do they handle it? So someone once told me in our fire department that every time a woman gets pregnant in the fire service, it's like the first time a woman has ever had a baby. And that's kind of true. It's, uh, it's always a mad scramble of what do we do? How do we handle this? And I'm lucky coming from a larger fire department with more females that it, it wasn't ideal when I had my kids, but it wasn't horrible. And we, mm -hmm. we have since gone and made it better. But for a lot of fire departments, 
they don't know what to do with a woman when they get pregnant. And we saw, what was it? I think it was as recent as 2017. It hit the media that there have been females who have gotten pregnant and it's not in their collective bargaining contract to get pregnant. So they've just been on leave without pay or been forced to take their own leave. Oh, that's terrible. And that's, that's absolutely atrocious. So this is just a blanket federal law that says you have to make an accommodation for a woman who's trying to get pregnant, is currently pregnant, and for anything that arise, arises from pregnancy after birth. And that just, it's almost a blanket policy for places that don't have anything. So that was something absolutely wonderful for females in smaller fire departments. But I think we're still hitting the, missing the mark, even in larger fire departments, because we're not we're not stepping back and we're not thinking about how to keep mom as an athlete. If you look at studies done on actual athletes, if you look at some of the phenomenal athletes out there who um, some of the tennis players, some of the runners, how they stayed during their pregnancy and how easy it was for them to return to the sport afterwards, we're very terrified in the fire service to do anything other than put a mom behind a desk And as firefighters, we're not used to sitting behind a desk. We're on our feet all day long. Uh, We're missing meals. We're eating too much. We're not sleeping, whatever. And then you put us behind a desk where suddenly we're not burning any calories whatsoever. We got a snack machine over there, a fridge over there. (laughs) Our access to calories goes up and our calorie burning goes down and therefore you put women in a position where, and it's, it's just like being injured. I mean, people, when they've been injured, it's it's a struggle to get back on duty, right? You got to lose the weight you gained. You got to get back into a workout routine, not to compare pregnancy to injury, but it's the same thing. Desk duty is, is the same all throughout. So what you've heard me talking about is just, let's be smarter about how we handle pregnant moms. Let's start coming up with policies and ways to ensure that we help our female firefighters as they go through this completely natural event. You know, you got to plan for pregnancy. Um, women have been having babies for, for quite some time. That's kind of how the whole population <laughs> thing happened. Let's not act like it's a surprise or a new thing. Women have babies plan accordingly. So what, what was it like after you had your children, especially the first one and going back to work? Was it, were you more nervous, <clears throat> excuse me, more nervous, um, f- so for example, for me, when I had, uh, my, my first son, uh, for me going back to work was incredibly difficult because every run I made on a kid, his age, as he got older, you know, if, it, if he's two as a two-year-old, it really, really kind of bothered me. Um, I struggled a lot with that. Did you find that you had the same kind of situation or did you have a really good support system when you were on duty? I mean, how did all that work for you? You know what? Pediatric calls didn't start to get to me till after my second son and then had a couple all back-to-back really bad pediatric calls, a four-year-old hanging, three-year-old fell 20 feet, and uh, one other one, um, all within like two months. Mm. And they were all around the same age as my youngest. So that was a moment where I had to stop and pause and say, okay, I have to be very careful with how I, I handle pediatric calls and process this. 
Not so much my first child, they think, because I think I was really trying my hardest not to be a mom while I was on duty and to kind of separate those two worlds. And by the time I had the second child, I was like, all right, you, you can't do this. Can't separate the world. It's your mom and you happen to be a firefighter and a paramedic. So just learn how to deal accordingly and come up with a game plan before you go into those situations. Because, yeah, it's going to affect you, especially as a mom. Yeah, I, I could see that. I just, uh, at the time, di so did you have a really good support? Like for me, when I moved up to New Albany, I didn't know anybody up here. Um, so having people watch my kids while I was off for 24 hours was nerve wracking. Uh, it just couldn't even enjoy the job, be honest with you. Then uh, it just so happened that my mom and her and my stepdad moved up here. So then I had this wonderful network. I didn't have to worry. It's like the, uh, the weight was lifted off my shoulders. Uh, oh, no, I assume I you was... had that. I was so lucky. Um, their grandmother watches them to this day, grandmother and grandfather. So both their father and I are, are kind of, we have the room to not worry about them when we are on duty. Thank God. We know that they are taken care of. I couldn't imagine how hard it is for the moms who don't, moms and dads who don't have a family member watching their kid. It's just, even if you trust who you're leaving them with, nobody's going to ever love them like family. So that's got to be a tough thing to be on duty and having, having to, to play that childcare game. So that's part one with Stephanie. Tune in next Monday. Don't miss it. It's going to be great. Our podcast today was sponsored by Fire Facilities. This Made in America company is dedicated to constructing top quality custom training structures to meet your needs. Make your training count with all steel structures that are made to last. Visit firefacilities.com for more details.